0: We are continuing today our study of the the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Last week we concluded the section on the conception of Mary, and today we're going to look at the nativity of the Most Holy Theotokos, the God-bearer, the Mother of God, who gave Jesus Christ his humanity and this humanity is joined to his divinity in his person. Theologians have a, have a very fancy word for that. They call it the hypostatic union. Doesn't that sound impressive? Hypostasis means person. Union, of course, is joining together. The divinity and the humanity are joined together in the person of Jesus Christ. And that humanity was provided from the flesh of Mary, and that's why she is called Mary Mary the Mother of God, because his humanity cannot be separated from his divinity and from his person. So, St. Andrew of Crete chants, and of course we're going to be celebrating this liturgically in a very few days, a week from... um, Actually, a week from today, September the 8th. Today's September the 1st. So we'll be celebrating the, the Nativity of the Mother of God on September 8th. St. Andrew of Crete chants, O Bride of the Father, Immaculate Mother of the Son, and Holy Resplendent Temple of the Holy Spirit, O Most Chaste of All Creation, most suitable to his ultimate purpose. On this account, the universe was created, and by thy birth was the eternal will the Creator fulfilled. What was God's ultimate purpose for us, and how did her birth fulfill the eternal will? His purpose is our unification with him and our divinization. Suffice it to add these thoughtful words of St. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan. Unless man were redeemed, it would avail him nothing to be born. St. Andrew of Crete also comments This day is for us the beginning of all holy days. It is the door to kindness and truth. He then goes on to write Let both the barren and mothers dance for joy. Make bold and leap up in gladness, O ye childless. For the barren and childless woman brings forth the Theotokos, who is to deliver Eve from her pains and travail and Adam from the curse. In other words, Anna, who is the mother of Mary, was barren her whole life. And yet, late in life, God allowed her and Joachim to conceive and have a little girl late in their life. And that little girl would be the vehicle through which God would become a man. And that is the means by which God was going to undo the curse through Mary. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy that is in the book of Genesis. Where God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman not just any woman but the woman and he will bruise your heel or you will bruise his heel speaking to satan you will bruise his heel and he will crush your head so the child to be born of mary would crush the head of satan and satan would bruise the heel of Her child, meaning he would strike the child, but the child would would die, but then would be resurrected as he was on the third day. St. Gregory Palamas comments that for her sake, in other words, for Mary's sake, the God possessed prophets pronounced prophecies and miracles are wrought to foretell that future great miracle of the world, the ever virgin mother of God. We know that Isaiah specifically prophesied, a virgin shall conceive. Never, Never before has this ever happened, never will it happen again. A virgin will conceive. Isaiah prophesied this many years before it actually happened. Generation after generation of vicissitudes and historical events make a path to their ultimate destination, to the new mystery that will be wrought in her. The rites and laws have provided beforehand a type of the future truth of the Spirit. The end, or rather the beginning and root of those earlier events and wonders of God is the annunciation to Joachim and Anna who were accomplished in the virtues of what was to be accomplished in their daughter. In another homily he comments, all divinely inspired scripture was written for the sake of the Virgin who begat God. The whole Bible was written for the sake of bringing us to this feast, this day, which we'll celebrate next week, the birth of the Mother of God. St. Photius also writes that the present feast honoring the birth of the Virgin Mother of God easily carries off the glittering prize of seniority against every competitor. For without the Virgin's Feast, none of those that sprang out would appear. Without the birth of the Mother of God, there would be no Christmas. There would be no theophany. There would be no resurrection. There would be no transfiguration. There would be no ascension. The Virgin's Feast, in fulfilling the function of the root, in other words, the the prophecy in the Old Testament, the root of Jesse, the source, the foundation, takes on with good reason the ornament of all those other feasts. And it is conspicuous with many great boons and is recognized as the day of universal salvation. So many of the feasts are like this. Because of what happens in that feast, everything that else is going to happen is anticipated and celebrated. Just the birth of Mary makes us begin to celebrate the birth of Christ, his life, his resurrection, his miracles, all that he did. Israel as a community was not to give birth to the Messiah by means of natural generation, that is by man's seed. By natural means they would produce the Virgin Mother, who is the beauty and excellency of Israel. In other words, Mary was produced through natural means. A man and a woman in in a chaste, pure marriage, holy people coming together, having sexual relations, and producing a child. But from her, who is produced in this natural means, would come a child produced from supernatural means, and that is the virgin birth, without the seed of man. The prophets prophesied of her, yet most Israelites were unaware that they were awaiting the birth of a virgin daughter from their stock, who virginally without father would bring forth the Messiah, the incarnate Son of God and only begotten of his father without mother. In other words, this detail about the virgin birth was under the radar The Jews didn't really think about it or ponder it. And when it happened, it was kept under the radar to a great extent for the protection of that child which would be born. St. Photius clearly believes that the birth of the Virgin happened by a natural union, though the mother was barren and aged. Again, we, we need to avoid the error of the Catholics who talk about the Immaculate Conception and try to to rob the Theotokos of her virtue by saying that she was just uh, brought into the world without the same type of human nature that we all have. Dost thou accept Adam to have been molded out of clay and produced without a natural birth? Dost thou accept Eve to be the offspring not of intercourse but of his rib? Yet these things cannot be ascribed to natural law. Shall not grace which formed nature not be able to repair her? Cannot the Creator warm and irrigate that which has grown old? It's talking about Anna now, about the womb of Anna. Shall not the Creator easily at His will restore her to the state in which He set her at first? Grace is not subservient to nature, but the mistress of nature. In other words, they're saying, saying that Anna was past the years she should have been able to conceive. But she did conceive in a totally natural, by totally natural means, but with the help of God, who repaired her barren womb. And God can do that. He created Adam out of dirt. He created Eve out of a rib. He has created many, many miracles, healings of other people, So this miracle he did with Anna, the womb of Anna, is not unbelievable. And yet, he created her womb, he healed her womb, but he did not bypass Joachim. Joachim and Anna conceived in a very completely natural manner. We should never, ever confuse that with the Roman Catholics who have tried to change that teaching. St. Andrew of Crete chants, Anna, the barren and sterile, was not childless before God, for she was foreordained from many generations to become the mother of the pure virgin, from whom the maker of all creation sprang forth in the form of a servant. St. Neophytos of Cyprus, styled the Chrysostom of Cyprus, treats Our Lady in many passages of his writings, Quote, Anna, delivered by the creator of nature from the bonds of sterility, in other words, he's giving the credit to God that Anna's womb became fertile. She she conceives by her spouse, that is Joachim, her husband, Mary, a daughter of God. Anna today gave birth to Mary, the first fruits of our salvation, the Immaculate Mother of God, the Word, and the first fruits of the renewal of our nature that had been aged and tarnished by transgression of the divine precept. And I will conclude today's study with a quote from St. John of Damascus On the birth of the Mother of God, the sorrow of our first mother, Eve, is turned to joy. While one heard, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. In other words, that's what Eve heard. The other heard, rejoice thou who art full of grace. One heard, thy turning shall be to thy husband. And the other heard, the Lord is with thee. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Glory be to Jesus Christ. Most holy Theotokos, save us.